Welcome back again to Keep Calm and Mother On. We're continuing this special series for the month of military child. And today, this is important even if you're not military connected. I'm sure that you might need to move your kid and your kid might need special ed services, an IEP or a 504, or you might know someone who has that challenge. So please listen today and learn about Partners in Promise and the tips and the advice and the camaraderie they can offer to military families and the tips you can learn if you're a civilian. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. Once again, we are still in Military Child Appreciation Month, and that means I have another great organization that you need to know. Today's organization is called Partners in Promise, and they're gonna help you, even if you're not military connected, you need to listen if you have a kid that has an IEP and you ever think you're going to move. This is what they help with. So welcome, Jennifer, and welcome, Michelle. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Christy. So can you tell me a little bit about Partners in Promise, about how you got started and what your overall mission is? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having us today and highlighting our fantastic military children um, this is a very unique lifestyle and, uh, just being highly mobile and moving every two to three years, you know, I think that, um, that's something that our civilian community just maybe doesn't grasp as much as what these kids go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me tell you about Partners in Promise and, and how we got here. Uh, I will say that, uh, it was founded by four mothers who have children in special education, um, living this wonderful military life adventure. And, uh, we all, came together because we realized there was similar challenges that we were experiencing as we moved so often and our, our children, you know, were receiving supports and services and special education. And sometimes it's, it's not easy when you get up and move when you're settled in one school district and, and you're going to a completely different state with a, the same program that their sister received in the new school district. And, Sometimes it doesn't go as smooth as, as what federal law wants it to be. So um, we all were having challenges and uh, we met and realized that there was a lot of similar threads between us. And so um, one of my, you know, my daughter, she's, we'll talk a little bit about her, is that uh, she's now a senior in high school and she was a preemie. And we had some challenges with her education. And, you know, it, it got to the point where... We had to kind of work a little bit with our school district to, to get the services that she needed. Mm-hmm. And I was able to testify about this in front of the, the House Services Committee about, you know, our story. And um, we just realized that we weren't alone, that there were a lot of other military families who had kids with special needs that were also having issues with special education. So what we did was we founded this organization so that we can figure out how to solve these problems. You know, I think um, I'm an engineer in my previous life. And, uh, you know, I'm big about problem solving. And so we came up with this fantastic uh, organization whose mission is to protect the rights of military children in special education, which is the acronym PROMISE, and our disability communities so that we can ensure that they receive equal access to an education, just like our civilian counterparts. And so we develop data-informed solutions that equip parents, inform leaders, and enable our military kids to thrive. Um, and of course we naturally encompass DEI through the people that we serve, our students who are, you know, diverse in their unique needs mm-hmm. and their backgrounds. Um, and we just realized that, you know, there are, there are ways to support these families as they move and for their parents to continue to serve. We would don't want military service to be a barrier to these kids, you know, getting a high school diploma and doing wonderful things um, after graduation and becoming those independent, productive members of society. So that's what we're here for is to, to help these families 
navigate this journey um, and ensure that their kids um, are set up for success. As a mom who's been on the table of the parent side of the IEP and then the teacher side of the IEP before I had kids, I appreciate all that you're doing to connect people together because it can feel really lonely and really hard as you're moving from duty station to duty station. Yes, absolutely. I think the one thing we noticed is when we were testifying in 2020 before the world shut down from COVID, um, there were so many families that showed up that day at Rayburn Building in, in on the Hill. And um, there was so such an incredible response to military families that just wanted to be seen, wanted to be heard. They had to open up an overflow room. Um, down the hall from where the actual hearing was because they just didn't have enough seats for that. And so I think that finally that moment had come, right? You know, that there's so much focus maybe on the medical piece, but not maybe um, enough of this program to look at what the special education challenges were. So I think once you get that energy of being around others who are passionate um, to make change, you know, that's really has been the force of momentum for us um, as we have done, you know, a lot of great things and to help these families and their journey these past couple of years. So I agree 100 percent. It's it can be a very lonely life. But once you're, you know, in a team with other fantastic spouses who have that same um, goal in mind, um, it really makes this job worth it for us. So who are your military kids? Because you have military kids. Who are they and what is your favorite <laughs> thing about them? Oh, my goodness. So like I mentioned, my daughter, I'm so very proud of her. She is uh, 19. She's a senior this year graduating yay. with a high school diploma. I could not be. Yay. I'm just, you know, there's a I'm sure there's gonna be quite a few tears that day um, in June. It's coming up before you know it. And uh, but she was uh, like I mentioned before, uh, born very early um, in this world at 27 weeks and um, spent the first eight months of her life in a hospital. And, uh, you know, at first she was like the, the NICU, like superwoman. And she was, you know, meeting all of these fantastic, uh, you know, I guess benchmarks, but, um, things kind of took a turn for the worse, you know, where she had a brain bleed in her first week of life. And that has resulted in many, many disabilities. Um, but they don't define her. She is a fighter. I love, love, love that she has learned how to be her, her own advocate. You know, she does it really well. She stands up for others at school. Um, and of course she was learned, learned this out of a necessity, but she clearly artic- articulates what she needs at all times. So I'm just super proud and I'm looking forward to see what she does in the future after she graduates. We, we, everything's still on the yeah. table, you know, community college or go to, you know, vocational education. We don't know. It could be just, you know, she may want to go work for a while. I just told her, Hey, you cannot stay home and play Nintendo <laughs> on the couch. So <laughs> yeah, that is like the one thing. Um, so she's, she's lived this life, you know, for uh, 19 years of military life. And then my son, he's great. He's, you know, 13. He's super confident. And I'm just seeing him blossom right before my eyes. I just love everything that he's involved with. And um, he has a really strong moral compass. I think that's the one thing I'll talk about him. He's kind of like watches things as an introvert um, and sees where other people need support. If someone's being bullied, he makes sure someone knows. And so he's kind of like the guy who cares about what's going to happen to this world. You know, he will come to me and talk about plastic, plastic in the oceans, the air, (laughs) climate change, you name it. So I, I see him as one of those people who's going to make change in this world. And, um, and I love that. So those are my two kids. Awesome. What about you, Jen? Cause you have a couple kids too. I do. Um, (laughs) well, it's actually kind of related to, you know, I know we're about to ask another question. You know, I, I am not one of those, uh, four founders of Partners in Promise, just to clarify. Okay. Um, I actually met Michelle and I'll, I'll get to the kids at the end, but this is, I think, yeah. really important. Please. Kind of part of this story. Um, I met Michelle in my role as a military family reporter. I was interviewing her about her testimony, um, and, and the other amazing accomplishments that she had, uh, up to that point. And that was in about, it was, I, I think we started talking in, uh, 2019 or early 2020. Um, I had, I have three kids. Um, none of them at that time had any connection to special education. Uh, but being a military spouse myself, I was just struck by the things that had happened to me and how hard they were. And then I thought of this additional layer. You know, what she, Michelle didn't say is that her daughter has been sued by school districts. You know, going to court with your child, having to talk about their differences of any differences. Kids don't want to talk about those. She had to do that and be this tough advocate for herself. And it was just a something about that experience really 
just stood out to me. And it was something that I, you know, I, I think it took a little while, a few conversations, maybe Michelle remembers how many, but I was like, I would like to help. <laughs> you know, this was something I, I, I just couldn't stand by as an outsider and just watch that happen to people. Like that was upsetting to me, really upsetting. And it's something that as allies, people who may not initially have um, a connection to special education or the exceptional family member program, you know, think about what you go through and then knowing, knowing what your neighbor might be going through. You know, everyone has a different experience within the military community, but we all need each other. And so that was something that called me to, to help volunteer my time with Partners in Promise. Um, but, you know, come fast forward and we'll talk about my kids. Um, I, I have three kids. Um, my oldest is 10 and during the, the pandemic, we, well, we moved in the middle of her kindergarten year, which is, I, we know in the military, you don't always get a choice. Never. Um, I never do, do not get a recommend choice. that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend moving in the middle of kindergarten. Um, because there is so much happening at that year that as a parent, you're not sure, especially if it's your oldest child, if they're on track, if they're, their stress or their anxiety or their performance is related to a deployment or related to that move you just did. Um, and so that transition for her was really difficult. And we started, you know, my mom's sense kind of like stood up on edge. Um, I was like, something's going on, but I couldn't pinpoint what it was because of our moves. So I, you know, was plugged in with Partners of Promise at that time. And then the pandemic hit, of course, right? It eventually hit. And in that moment, I had learned from Michelle and the rest of our team so much about special education that I knew what questions to ask of her teachers, of the administrators. And I was able to advocate for her. And eventually, you know, she did get testing uh, done for, spe- uh, for special education, and she's currently on a 504 plan. But I don't believe that I would have gotten her that help as quickly had I not had the team around me and had been plugged in, um, I would have done like kind of what our survey says, where our families are just so unsure for so long of what's going on with their kids that they, you know, best of intentions. Not everyone has a story like Michelle's where they're in the hospital and they have, they know they can plan ahead. Everyone has a different experience. And so mine was informed by Michelle's experience. You know, she did all this hard work and she went through all of these hard things essentially so that my child wouldn't have to and other children wouldn't have to because we know how things can go and we can kind of share those experiences with our families around us. And I also have two other kids. (laughs) I have an eight-year-old amazing curly-haired girl (laughs) um, and I have a small uh, six-year-old. He has fiery red head and is goes everything along with that personality. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. My experience into using child find and having looking for services for my kid was because of a well child checkup, but I didn't think my kid was behind in any way because they were my firstborn. And I was like, wait a second, what do you mean they should be meeting the standard? I didn't know that was a standard. Yeah. It's, it's hard. We have a whole series on our website called Trust Your Gut, kind of directed at that very question. Like, is this something you should be paying attention to? Um, is this, and it, we brought in professionals. So we have an expert in ADHD who kind of discusses, um, what are some signs that you could be aware of to identify, um, something in your child that could be attributed to a deployment. Mm-hmm. You know, when your mom or dad is gone, that's stressful and your behavior might change. But how do you know if it's just a stressful moment, like an acute issue, yeah. or is it something underlying? Exactly. And and I think we'll talk about this in, in the future, Jen, but the data kind of points to that too. We see so many different providers, you know, because we're moving so much. And so yep. there really is not, you know, a consistent set of eyes on that child, except for the parent. And so... Even if you were to say something to your first child's pediatrician, mm-hmm. you know, you're moving again and it could be that it's just, oh, you know, it's just, a, it's probably because they just moved here and they're not comfortable in their environment, you know, just keep eyes on them. And it could be just, there's always a reason perhaps to not go that next step of let's mm-hmm. get an evaluation done. Um, and of course we know there's a shortage of service providers to, to even do evaluations. So um, it's, it's frustrating because there, there seems to be, some children that are falling through the cracks. 
costs because of that highly mobile lifestyle. Um, so that trust your gut series is fantastic because we are, you know, it's one of those resources where you can provide people with some checklist of like, Hey, is this happening? Is this happening? Um, you know, what can you look for? Um, is this something, what's that gut feeling? Cause I think parents, especially moms, Mm -hmm. we know when there's something not right and, but we may not know the word for it or we're just, you know, we're not experts and we right. can't be the experts in everything. That's why we have to rely on, you know, our providers and, and people in our community to kind of help guide us through. So I, I, I think that it just, it's, it's one more thing to add to the hats of military spouses and military parents, unfortunately. Yeah. It's one more task that you've been voluntold to do while your service member is busy working. <laughs> Exactly. Voluntold. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Definitely one of those words that we hear often in the military. <laughs> Absolutely. So why is it so hard to move a kid? If once you get that IEP in place or a 504 plan, why is it so hard to move that kid? So, I mean, I know Michelle can speak to the lived experience of, of what mm-hmm. that feels like for families, but as far as our data, um, we, have surveyed for three years, um, trying to understand the various points of complication. Um, the first year we looked at families who might pursue recourse. So if things aren't going well in a district, are they filing, uh, legal complaints, informal or informal, excuse me, formal or mm-hmm. informal? Um, and then last year we looked at what happens during transitions. Um, and, and that I'll, I'll touch on for one second is that as our families are learning to trust themselves. Mm -hmm. They're getting those evaluations. They're trying to help their children as best they can. They're becoming experts in a medical condition. They're becoming experts in legal terms. Mm -hmm. Um, It on average, we found that from the start of that moment of, is this something I need to be worried about to actually receiving special education services was approximately a 23 month period for the average family. So there's a long wait that our families, wow. you know, are experiencing on the front end. That's the initial diagnosis. Right. Um, and then after each military move, um, last year, our families reported waiting 5.75 months to receive services after a PCS move. So, you know, kind of what happens there relates actually to our this year's findings. So, we this year we looked at outcomes. How are our military students performing once they are settled? Mm-hmm. Right. So we looked at getting settled, and now we're looking at what happens when they're settled. So, you know, there's delay, and a lot of times that's because they're establishing a new dynamic. They're getting to that IEP table, which is for mm-hmm. those who don't know, individualized education program. Um, and this is just the vehicle by which our families our children rather, um, receive special, edu- special education. Mm-hmm. Um, they set up goals for the year that are appropriate for their specific circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is something the parent is part of that. The educators are part of that. Um, but our families are reporting that there's not a lot of a, there's agreement, but it's not universal. They might move to one location where that school is so supportive, um, really great. They're advocates. They know what it's like to be a mm-hmm. military family and they're helpful. But then they move to another location and they feel kind of like, oh my goodness, <laughs> that, that IEP has some other child's name on it. This doesn't seem individualized. So this is yeah. what we're hearing from families. And so what does that feel like? It causes a lot of stress. Um, our families are reporting, you know, almost <laughs> preposterous levels of stress caused by special education, um, you know, and, and other, other things. So for example, um, we talked about the stress levels on family members and most, I would say in the 80 percentile, um, reported a negative impact. Um, and it's about 78.1% um, saying that they had a ne- negative impact. They also had a negative impact uh, based on their experiences with exceptional family member program. I they believe are both not, of those. <laughs> <laughs> they're not having a great um, experience. So it, it's, they feel like what Michelle was saying before. That's why they all came to that, to test, to the testimony in, mm-hmm. in Congress. 
they they care about service. Um, just because they're stressed doesn't mean they want to leave military service. In mm-hmm. fact, our findings say that they don't. They're not looking to leave. They need the consistent income and the benefits provided by TRICARE, even if they're not thrilled by them at all yep. times. They want to serve. So we're taking this data and trying to come up with ideas and recommendations and resources that help them in, stay in service because that's the goal, right? Is to help them thrive. Yeah. It's really hard to bring an IEP from a different town to a new town and know that just the demographics of where you're moving are so different that your kid isn't going to be seen or valued. At least they can feel that way as the parent. Absolutely. And it, it's interesting because, you know, we moved from within the state. It wasn't even from state to state, you know, just from a county to a county. Um, and the way that the supports and services were delivered in one's district was vastly different mm-hmm. um, from the other. But as Jen said, you know, there are laws in place, you know, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDA, that that basically, you know, informs families what their rights are. It also directs the, the school districts that you need to provide comparable services. But what does comparable services look like when you transfer in could be, again, very, very, very different. And so it does become a source of sometimes disagreement, you know, at yeah. that IEP table that brings on the stress. You're already in a military lifestyle that's stressful as it is. And so um, it just compounds each and every time. Um, even when you get settled, you know, we, we found that, you know, if it takes 5.75 months to get your services when you first arrive, you know, that's 25% of your time that you're in a tour there and then you're moving again. So this whole thing yeah. just goes on and on and it compounds um, for these, these students and for the families, but they want to serve. And I think that is just that silver lining from the data that we found this year is how can we best support them um, so that they can continue to serve. And so it's just, you know, again, the awareness, awareness of what these families are going through um, ensuring that um, there are protections out there, you know, are they utilizing it? And of course, are they informed? You know, I think that's another data point we talk a lot about. Mm-hmm. When you're informed, you have positive educational outcomes. And so how can we help inform our families? Yeah. And just one thing is like, Please. that was that struck me um, is, like I mentioned earlier, I w- came into a conversation about my child having this information before I needed it. Mm-hmm. Our families often are not that like equipped ahead of time. And right. therefore not only are they, they're, they're learning it all from scratch. Right. And so that's why what she's saying, being informed, it's not that we're trying to say like, you're not doing a great job as a parent. Like it is required of this system. So like other things you don't have to, be advocates for as much like mm-hmm. you can kind of roll up to something and <laughs> and learn as you go but in order to navigate special education you have to be able to be equipped to start the conversation you don't know what you don't know correct and unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately you do need to know quite a bit there are a lot of resources out there though that can help you um if you know where to go for them okay this is really important because i have a background in teaching that's what my undergrad is in i'm a teacher certified teacher and showing up to my kid side of the table was still intimidating right like and i knew a little bit of the lingo of special education so i can't imagine how hard it is if you don't know the language, it's a whole foreign language. Absolutely. And uh, it's one that, again, you you learn from a fire hose at the time because mm-hmm. it's, it's always crisis mode when something's going wrong. And that kind of forces you to kind of like, okay, maybe I need to, to figure out what's going on with special education. I, I'm one of those naive parents. You know, things were going really smoothly for us um, for the first five years of my daughter's special education journey. And I did not know what my rights were. I never needed to know. I just thought she's doing so great and, you know, getting great feedback from the teachers. Her grades were fantastic. And it's just when you have the challenges come to you, then I just felt like not silly, but I just like, wow, I, I just didn't take advantage of all that time to really educate myself. I knew enough that something wasn't right Mm -hmm. and I could feel that something wasn't right. Um, and when I looked around, there were no resources, you know, I think that was the hardest part for me is because everyone's like, Oh, but that's a great school district. They do so fantastic with all these kids. And I'm like, 
but it's not going well for me. And it just, you know, you do feel very isolated and you're sitting at a table with a lot of other wonderful professionals, um, you know, that clearly outnumber you. And so, and of very course, you're much. that is a whole part of the intimidation factor, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's, I know it's not purposeful, but, um, it can be hard for a spouse who's dealing with so much, you know, maybe, has a job and two other kids or spouses deployed. And then people are, you know, are saying X, Y, Z, you feel in, in your gut, it's not that case. Mm-hmm. And so who do you go to? And, and we were very fortunate as an officer family to have some resources to go right. find an advocate to come join us. And then that quickly, you know, got to a decision point where we had to move to an attorney. But I thought to myself, how can an enlisted family go through this without any support whatsoever? And that really was one of the main points I made during my testimonies. These families, they need somebody at that table. They need someone to guide them through, to help navigate the complexity of this law so that they understand what their child's rights are, what their rights are, so they can get them back on track, you know, get back on track to that end goal again of just being grade level, getting, you know, there's, there's special ed supports and services that that child needs for their unique needs. And so um, we knew that that was one thing to advocate for just based on our own experiences, just seeing these families, they, they felt like you were talked about earlier drowning, you know, mm-hmm. they really were drowning and didn't know where to go. And so we're seeing some great progress with that um, from that testimony, the 2021 national defense authorization act did, you know, basically say you need to standardize this program, this DOD program, um, so that all the services are offering the exact same supports and services. Um, we should be seeing that two years later, <laughs> the release of what these provisions are and how they are going Im- to improve the program. So we're, mm-hmm. we're anxiously awaiting to see that. Um, but there were some things that were put in place pretty quickly. There are special education attorneys now that are available to families wow. um, at their installation. So that is one huge um, win, I guess you could say, for our families to know that there is someone um, who has been trained in special education to kind of help guide. Now, I will say from feedback from our families, that can vary by base. It can vary by service branch. Um, but it is a step in the right direction. Um, some service branches offer advocates. Um, civilian advocates that can also help guide these families. And so, again, it's just how do we get this to be available to every single military family across all the service branches? And we hope that this plan will will um, improve the program to where those supports will be there for them. So knock on wood, um, hoping to see that this spring and, and we'll be able to talk more about that later. <laughs> yeah, but that's important. I want to add one thing about, you know, kind of what Michelle's saying. Um, our data show that our family members, our spouses are stepping back from the workforce to do the things that she was talking about. So, you know, we know that military spouse unemployment is very high yeah. around 21%. Um, but in our survey, we last year, I think it was about 46% said that they were out of the workforce. And then this year was 52% were out of the workforce. And the number one reason they cited for being out of the workforce was educational caregiving followed by medical caregiving. So we know that our families are in need of assistance. Mm-hmm. And right now they're doing it themselves. And, you know, as they probably want to be there and supporting their child, but we do need to be, find ways to help support those caregivers and, and recognize the impact of educational caregiving. Yeah, that's a new phrase to me. How would you qualify educational caregiving? Well, I mean, as far as what we, how we at, phrased it in our survey mm-hmm. is, the amount of time our family members spent caring for educational needs, attending IEP meetings, um, going and carting them <laughs> around to providers, um, okay. specialty providers. So yeah. if they have, you know, speech. So we know a lot of our families are providing extra supports and services for their children if they're not able to get them from the school district. Okay. So they'll spend a lot of time taking them to those Absolutely. appointments. Um, and that's how we def- defined it in our, um, in, in our uh, survey questions. Yeah. Um, and then we also did ask this year and it's all this is available in our full report, which I'm sure we'll link to. Um, we asked the amount of time our families were spending caregiving and the most, um, most common response was about one to five hours per week um, for the average and the higher uh, with the higher 
of that number going towards like the elementary school because that's like when people are still learning this process. Totally um, makes is sense. Younger ages. Yeah, so yeah. how does Partners in Promise stand in the gap for families who feel alone? Well, I think we kind of look at it from a, two different ways. The top level solutions. How can we affect change that's going to affect everybody from the top? Um, cause we know that trickles down and eventually, cause it would be easy for us, obviously, to, to help advocate for one family here and one family mm-hmm. there. But really, we know it needs to happen, um, at the very top level so that laws can be changed, um, programs can be changed to, you know, recognize these challenges that we are, you know, pointing to from our survey data. Let's, we should even back up, Jen, and say there really wasn't any data at all on this population. Um, in the, since this program started with the EFMP, you know, for over yeah. a decade, there's nothing. Wow. And so it's hard to, to there's nothing on special change. education, right? Special right. education. Special education okay, that's the, what right. I mean. But like yeah. that goes with no a tickets. lot of medical needs. Exactly. It goes hand in hand. Absolutely. Our families don't see their child as half of a person, you know, like, <laughs> you know, you cannot separate out the medical and the education. And I think that that's, kind of why Partners in Promise from, you know, my outsider perspective was founded because EFMP really does only focus on the medical mm-hmm. side historically. And now it's, you know, we're, we're getting there with the looking at, you mm-hmm. know, how the states implement federal law with yeah. IBA. Um, but that's, a, you know, that's a messy, <laughs> messy very messy tangled web. Yeah. yeah, very, very tangled. But she's right. You know, it's always the focus has always been on the medical side. But because of her research team, and the work that they've done, we've been able to form great partnerships, you know, with the United States Department of Education, Office of Special Education Program, um, you know, joining forces, you know, with incredible military service organizations um, to be able to share this data. And so we've seen some change. We've seen um, just recently the administration has a new budget that includes 20 million for military children, special education. It's one of the few very specific populations that they actually spotlight in the budget. That's awesome. um, And it's, I feel like a lot of it is because we're bringing awareness to these challenges. Um, the office of um, special needs programming within the Department of Education. They came out with guidance for states um, who have special education coordinators and say, hey, here's some issues that we're seeing with violations of IDEA and their timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, this is things you need to consider when a military or highly mobile student comes to your new, your district. And so these are like guidances and, and proposals and changes are all because the data is finally there to support it. And so those, that's the top level. Um, but we also noted, you know, being informed because we mm-hmm. need to be informed. How can we assist and support with that? Um, our website, you know, is something, in fact, we're getting that to be updated um, very shortly in the next month to make it more customer um, friendly, I guess you can say. Yeah. But there you'll find the Trust Your Gut series. You'll find checklists. You'll find what, you know, is this federal law, you know, about and how it done by category. You know, tell me what you may need to know about the certain diagnoses. Um, what are some things you need to know for your first IEP meeting? Everything, no matter where you are in your journey, first getting a diagnosis, maybe you're midway and you're doing some transitions from one base to another, to one mm-hmm. school district to another. Or it could be that your child's getting ready to exit um, high school or mm-hmm. at the age of 21, you know, you can stay in a school district through IDA. Um, and then leave after age 21, you know, what are the options for these kids? You know, what can they do for employment or education, you know, vocational schooling, whatnot. So we are definitely walking them through and giving them the support they need through that. We also have an IEP and EFMP binder that we're creating that's, that's going to awesome. be released in the next month. And it's going to be very customized to our military experience because there are a ton of IEP binders out there. Um, that yep. you can download in the world, but not specific to military. We're just a unique population. And so we're so excited to get um, our special education experts to have, you know, provided content mm-hmm. um, and, and checklists and tabs where they can keep all of their documents in one location so that when they go to that IEP table, they'll have everything they need to advocate for their child. Um, so these are some of the things we did a podcast. I mean, Jen, I know you can talk more yeah. and more about all these resources, but we want people to know that if they come to Partners in Promise, we can navigate and help them um, get to what they need. And again, some of these can be offered on base through the EFMP program. Some of them can That's be awesome. offered through our website or our binder. 
Um, but it's a matter of telling them where this information is and how to guide them through some of the sticky challenges that they might they might come through as a special ed family. Yeah, because it can feel like a tsunami at the beginning as you're starting to pull it all, right? Like it's like one more thing after another as you're looking for the diagnosis or getting the diagnosis and trying to figure out what accommodations could actually be presented. There, Each special education student, IEP and 504, requires something completely different. Yes, it's unique to that child. And um, that's that's what's most important there is that you, some Parents have reported a frustration when they get to a new school district. They're about to, you know, rewrite the IEP because it has to be under the, you know, header of that new school district and they're receiving it and they find that someone else's name is copied and pasted throughout the IEP. <laughs> like <laughs> literally so, the know, wrong name? Literally the oh wrong name. It gosh. has happened to me three times. And uh. so it's because maybe some of the diagnoses were the same as this other yeah. person. Of course, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, Persec, Opsa, all these things. <laughs> yeah. you know, I just know everything about this child, and it's not my own child. So who has my kid's information? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking in the back of my head. But, you know, it's just um, that's that's the thing. It's just it's very unique to that child. And that's why these programs are so important to get right. Yeah. And the kid changes, right? Like we've had kids outgrow the need for speech services right. or we've gotten a diagnosis diagnosis later on that required extra timing for things. Or when I was a kid, I had a 504 plan or my mom looked into it because I have ulcerative colitis. And so that would have been a whole different ball of wax in terms of ways to get help. No one wants to use the bathroom when you have a bowel disorder. (laughs) Exactly. And I, that's so important to, um, ensure that those are brought up at the table with the right people and to know what you can ask for. And that's hopeful. We hope that we can help that with um, our binder. Excellent. Well, a mobile lifestyle with a kid with special education concerns is a really great challenge. Is there anything else that you want part- people to know about Partners in Promise and how you can help? You know, as Jen said, it is hard for people who don't have a child in special education um, to understand why why is this you know organization even exists? We have federal laws. We have dis- schools. Um I want to say to our parents so that, you know, investing in our children is totally worth it. And uh, because I know that a lot of times our parents are exhausted, mm-hmm. um, but we all have those goals and dreams for our kids and they can be attained. You know, I have seen this fight for my daughter come full circle, you know, when she's getting ready to graduate, you know, the sky is the limit and it may seem like an uphill battle for our parents. I just want to say, don't give up because mm-hmm. uh, you are your child's best advocate. And, mm-hmm. um, Every single moment that you invest in their education is is going to pay off dividends for their future. So I think that uh, parents need to know if you don't have someone to come with you, find that support system, find that tribe that they mm-hmm. can come and, and be beside you and lift you up. Because I know there are going to be times where, again, you're going to feel like you're in a hole and you're drowning. But, yeah. um, you know, find people like us who have that same passion to want to make change. And so... That is that is what I would want to say is don't give up. You are the one who's going to be the most impactful person in that child's life and their education. Mine is a little bit similar, but a little different. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. You know, I kind of bring also some of my reporting in into this. And the thing that I have found about this community is, of course, the service members are trained to follow orders. Yep. They're trained <laughs> to respect authority. You know, I think when we're young, we learn about the amazing doctors and teachers and our leaders. They're, they are people we look up to and they are experts and they often are. Um, and they, that's not to undermine their expertise. Right. But I think we want to trust the expert and that they always have our best interests in mind. And it's not that they don't have our best interests in mind. It's they have competing interests. And so your child is number one for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Your child is on their list. They wouldn't be educators if they didn't want to be educators. Mm -hmm. They are there because they care about your kids, but they also have a lot of other kids to take care of too. They have, um, you know, we know that IDEA is not fully funded. Um, There's there's hard budget issues out there. These are the realities of of the circumstance. But special education is designed for parents to be their child's advocates, even if they feel ill-equipped to do that. That is how the system is built. It's built for you to be a squeaky wheel. It is not built that they're just handing out, you know, this 
this service or this accommodation, you have to ask for and know and justify your asks. You have to come to the table prepared. And that's a lot. It's hard and it's contrary to the military way of life. Mm-hmm. And it can feel very awkward, but it is a requirement. <laughs> you have to be okay with being awkward to be advocating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can reach out and ask for help to do that. It doesn't have to be your personality to be aggressive. You don't need to do that, but you do need to be able to be willing to feel a little bit awkward <laughs> when yeah. you're learning this process because it is, it doesn't feel right for many yeah. of our families as they report. It, it feels awkward. It's hard. It is. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It is very uncomfortable. You know, I think some of us just, you just want to be liked by everybody. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear how great my kid's doing, but then you're like, no, they're not that, they're not doing that well. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it is uncomfortable. Um, but once you kind of like practice that a little mm-hmm. bit, it does get easier as time goes on. And the beautiful thing about it is that your children see it and they do the same. And I just love it. Again, I talk about my daughter and how she advocates for herself at school. And um, she's so very proud of what we're doing as an organization. And she doesn't want us to stop. So I think that we are providing those those role models for our Mm -hmm. kids so that they know that they can step up and, you know, talk about things like ADA in the workplace. You know, that's something she was talking about the other day of like, well, you know, what would happen if I'm working somewhere and there's an emergency, how I'm going to get out of this building. And so it's just, these are the things that will set them up for success. And so we are the best role models for that. And it starts, you know, with that advocating um, and being uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. And remembering that it is a squeaky wheel system. You have to keep making yeah. noise to be seen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know it's hard. It's hard <laughs> as a military family. <laughs> I'm super, I'm super nerdy oh. because the thing about that is that they might feel like a squeaky wheel, but our data yeah. show that they're not. Okay, this they're is good. They're not squeaky wheels. They're not. They are having a hard time because ha- no, navigating special education and the military lifestyles together is very hard. It is hard because of the way that these two systems are set up and yep. they're not set up to complement one another. They're not squeaky wheels. In many cases, they're whistleblowers. They're trying to raise their hands and say, this isn't working for our family. We need help. And that's why Partners in Promise exists. And that's why um, all the work that we see and the changes coming out of DOD, they mm-hmm. are hearing our families and we're excited to see how things will go. But it might not feel yeah. immediately great. It's <laughs> going to take some time to navigate some of these systems. Yeah. And we just ask our families to plug in with us and keep keep getting our updates um, because it is happening and change is coming and it's slow to come yeah. <laughs> for sometimes, but you can get the immediate need help you need uh, by just educating yourself using mm-hmm. the resources, the IP binder, and then the program of change. Hopefully that will come soon. That's excellent. Well, while you guys are doing this heavy lifting for other people and living your lives and helping your own kids with IEPs and 504s, what are you doing for self-care, Michelle and Jennifer? I love this. This is so important, Christy. And I think it's glossed over sometimes when we talk about this population, because I remember when people are telling me like, oh, you need to go take time for yourself. Well, my daughter's in the hospital. I'm like, uh, nope, that's not happening. So we kind of just laugh, like whatever. But as we were able to get things under control, mm-hmm. um, medically for her, my biggest thing, and I, first of all, I love respite care. So in the military, there is a respite care program through each of the service branches. And I recommend everyone to try to enroll in that, um, because it's important. It's mm-hmm. important for you to have time away from your children so that you can be a better parent and, I use that respite care to go out on a date with my husband every Saturday if I can, or at least one time over the weekend, because we need to remember that we are, you know, a team We're you know, a husband and wife. And for me to, um, to do my job properly as a mom, I need to remember that um, I'm not doing it alone. And so that is so important. Date nights, super, super big deal. Um, so that's my biggest self-care is just, take that time and, and whatever it could be. You know, I always yeah. laugh because my husband was deployed. I literally had respite care and I would go to Starbucks um, inside the target. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like seven or 8 PM by myself 
stretchy pants, uh-huh. very relaxed, no makeup on. And I would just walk the aisles. And I'm like, I don't even care what I do for the next hour and a half, but I'm not <laughs> at home. <laughs> and it's just like, I'm sure people are laughing at me, but that was my self-care, just getting away and just like trying to decompress. With yeah. It was great. That's super important. When I early on in my husband's deployment, we had just preschoolers, right? And my preschool self care, just for being a normal mom without any medical needs, was going to sharper image and walking through stores with breakable things. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Are they still around? Sharper I don't image? think they are. <laughs> but like that was my father in law's like, what do you do when you go out by yourself? I was like, I walk through stores. I couldn't walk through yeah. with my kids. <laughs> it's it's great. It's great. And you don't have to buy anything. It's no. fantastic. It's just nice to feel human yeah. again. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you do for right. self-care, Jennifer? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I, I don't know. A combination of things. I yeah. like, I go running. Um, I don't know that I ever fully do something that's like 100% self-care, if that makes any sense. I don't know if you've ever heard of the term habit stacking, but yeah. I'm like, I am a habit stacker. So for me, I'll listen to podcasts while I'm running mm-hmm. or I will, um, I have reading goals that I set for myself because as a writer, that's like exercise. And yeah. so I read, um, I force myself to read and I love the library for that because it puts a timeline when I have to bring mm-hmm. the books back. Um, but you know, as far as like the things that have helped me get through this military life and my, my family as well, is I kind of had to let go of like comparing with my husband of the time I had free versus <laughs> the time he had free. And I realized that if, you know, he needed to go, let's say exercise or play tennis is his thing. That's okay. I don't need to like measure the time I have away. And then he stops measuring mine. So it's it, it was like giving each other the freedom to have our own things. I know that mm-hmm. sounds really silly. And maybe other people are entered their marriages this way. <laughs> but I didn't. I, I was like, you know, we're married now. So we're supposed to spend all this time together. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, wait, you're in the military. And and when he's not deploying, it's like, I need that time separated. Yeah. If he's deployed, no problem. <laughs> but when he's home, <laughs> I'm like, we need our time. Um, so for me, that's, I spend that time running. He he goes off and plays tennis. And it's just letting ourselves like budget that time for ourselves when it feels like we don't have it to budget. That's great. Yeah, I love that. So last question is, how do you have fun as a family? You've got these great military kids. What does family fun look like for you right now? How do you connect? You know, it's the small things for us. You know, it's it's staying home and watching a Netflix, you know, Mandalorian series is kind of like the big thing. I guess that's Disney Plus right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big thing at our house, you too. Know, <laughs> it is because we're always so busy. It's just having those those times. And also we make it a point to have dinner together every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, again, so hard to do, especially when it's mainly us waiting on my spouse coming home from work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, we really try to prioritize that, you know, and the other thing I was going to mention, because I know you have a lot of families, I have younger kids, mm-hmm. um, take advantage of vacation time when they're yes. young, because you don't have to worry about, you know, missing out on tests or, you know, whether or not you have X amount of days that you've missed from the school year. And um, I'm telling you, my kids still remember a lot of the vacations that we had during their elementary school years. And so definitely work that leave in with the military if you can, because it gets so much more difficult when they get into middle school and high school. So when they're young, who cares if you miss a week, you add on another week to spring break, whatever it takes (laughs) so that you can enjoy travel and explore the world build those memories because before you know it, they're going to be out. And so I just, you know, always tell people family fun, go on mandatory vacations because that really is what they're going to remember as they age. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's not easy to do in the military, but try to prioritize that. It's super fun. And I know Jen just recently went to Disneyland, so she could probably share some of that too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't I mean, I love Disney, but no, no, no. That is not a stress reliever for anyone who's listening. Um, for us, uh, we're currently a uh, softball, t-ball family. Um, so it's yep. like three games every Saturday. We got practices all week. So we've really liked uh, kind of doing that all together and uh, like cheering each other on at different games. Um, but we're in California, so we have had a lot of rain recently. But normally we like, you know, camping. That's yeah. like our family's thing is 
um, camping or, you know, getting outside hiking. Um, we get to live all over the world because of the military. Yeah. We've lived in Japan. So we've gotten the sightseeing stuff. We've gotten to travel, drive across the country because, you know, of the military. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I mirror, you know, what Michelle said, just sometimes embracing the hard part of it is yeah. worth it in the end because it seems like, I feel like we're really good at that in the military. Like we're good at it kind of like, I don't want to say embracing the suck because that's probably not yeah, finding um, the, the right phrase, <laughs> but, but like going through something, knowing it's going to be hard because we're used to hard, mm-hmm. you know? So like a vacation to Disney was not easy. Right. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> but, but like we're equipped. We have like, we know how to prepare for things. We know how to prepare for worst case scenarios, pretty well yeah and so when we have something that's less than a worst case scenario it's a lot of fun and i think that we Absolutely. it's good and might as well might as well just embrace it right <laughs> that is so true <laughs> oh my gosh that reminds me i just have to say one thing yeah. um there was a meme or facebook about or maybe it was like a story about this mom who um, was on vacation and she had packed everything for her kids and her husband but then she was missing like her clothes like oh, something very essential mom. Yes. And I thought that is so on, that was spot on. Personally, I have been there. I've done that. I've been up to midnight, making sure the kids had all their things. And then I'm like, where are, where are my pieces? You know, it's so, that's kind of what we do. (laughs) Good thing is is that you can usually try to find a place to get it if you need to. But um, yeah, those, those are fun moments with the family, right? That's what she's going to remember years from now. (laughs) And my daughter's actually the overprepared one now. So when I don't have a band aid, she does. I'm like, <laughs> I could retire now. Explore, <laughs> waiting parent. Well. Love it. <laughs> and so people should check out partnersandpromise.org. That's your website, right? For all the resources that will be linked in the show notes too. It's thepromiseact.org. Oh, okay. Yep. So your email yep. is different than your website name. It is. It's so the the <laughs> Promise Act was something that the founders worked on before founding gotcha. Partners in Promise, and it uh, it is essentially um, kind of the groundwork of the work that we do. Gotcha. Uh, but yes, it's Partners in Promise. Okay, yep. there we go. We'll make sure. Thank you. We're trying to keep everyone dot org. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I am so glad you're here on Earth right now at the same time as me. And you guys have always been exactly the right mom for your kids. And thank you for standing in the gap for so many families. Thank you so much, Christy, for having us today. This has been so much fun. And um, we're just looking forward to continuing this great partnership and um, hope that we can help as many families as we can. So thanks for this outlet. Thank you. I'm so thankful for the podcast and the opportunity to have a platform where I can share with you the resources I've spent hundreds of hours collecting over the last 16 years. Please don't forget to check out www.christythomascoaching.com backslash military. Save it. Bookmark it. Share it with people you know. I am sure that you have a military-connected child somewhere within, you know, a couple degrees of separation than you. I know that military service is not the most common thing in the United States, but it is still an important part of our country. Thank you for being you. You have always been exactly the right mom for your kids. I'm so glad you're here and that we can build a community together enjoying this pretty awesome life we have. Now, I hope you just go have a good enough day.